Welcome to Access Pro Rata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Presented by Bridge Bank. Be bold, venture wisely. I'm Dan Primack. On today's show, Elizabeth Warren's big anti-endorsement and Uber tries to save its business model. But first, vaping goes up in smoke. So President Trump yesterday announced that he wants to ban all flavored e-cigarettes from the U.S. In an Oval Office statement during which he was flanked by wife Melania, HHS Secretary Alex Azar, and acting FDA Chief Ned Sharpless. It went to show that the White House can move to ban dangerous products if it sees fit and is sure to create all sorts of strange political bedfellows. The move also throws a massive monkey wrench into the proposed mega merger between tobacco companies Philip Morris and Altria, the latter of which spent over $13 billion recently for a 35% stake in vaping giant Juul. The backstory here is that the FDA originally allowed vaping products onto the market without formal approval, under a theory that they could become a valuable cessation product for adult smokers. And while it has worked that way for some, officials soon learned of a huge boom in youth vaping, particularly thanks to flavored products like mango. And that boom matters because vaping pods include lots of nicotine. And vaping has been shown in academic studies to significantly increase the chance that a non-smoking teen will pick up actual cigarettes. So last year, the FDA decided to ban all fruit-flavored product from retail shelves, except for smoke shops and age-verified e-commerce. But according to a new youth survey, it didn't work. More than a quarter of high school students report that they'd used e-cigarettes within 30 days of being surveyed. So now the new plan, it's to ban all flavored products, including mint and menthol, from all retail channels, including smoke shops and online. So Juul publicly is saying it supports this move, maybe believing that a highly regulated market is preferable to a wild west. But this puts a massive hole in its domestic business, and it also raises new questions about the future of Altria and Philip Morris, which both viewed vaping as their product path to modernization. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper with Axios healthcare reporter Caitlin Owens. But first, this. Bridgebank believes in the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors, those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. That's why Bridgebank has been dedicated to providing financial solutions to sponsor-backed emerging technology and growth companies for nearly two decades through its national network of banking teams and offices. Bridgebank is a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridgebank, be bold, venture wisely. We're joined now by Axios healthcare reporter, Caitlin Owens. So Caitlin, we get this White House statement yesterday with Trump and everybody else. What happens now? This is a big deal. And yesterday, this was an announcement of a plan to ban flavors, e-cigarette flavors, including mint and menthol, which is, you know, for an administration that's already been aggressive on vaping, this is an even more aggressive proposal. But that said, it was just a proposal. So now it's, I'm guessing it's a fight to actually enact it into policy. That's not something that needs Congress, right? The FDA, when it did its retail ban last year, did that unilaterally. Can it unilaterally ban all flavored products from everywhere? You know, so I was actually talking to, to Scott Gottlieb, the former FDA commissioner, about this yesterday. He says that he thinks one of the reasons the administration took this route is because it is more legally defensible. So I'm sure that there will be lawsuits. There always is when something big like this happens. But, you know, I, I guess at least according to Gottlieb, this was the most sound way to, to do it. Jewel put out the statement saying we support this. From your perspective, this is bad for their business. But is right. this just happy talk from Jewel and, and they're kind of realizing that most of their house is on fire, but the shed is still there. So let's live in the shed. Yeah, that's kind of actually what it seems like. I, you know, Juul has really put off this era of being super compliant with regulators. Their message is, you know, we hate youth vaping. We want to preserve the product for adult smokers who want to switch over to something less unhealthy than smoking. But, you know, I, I think it's it's bad for them. 
they it, as it targets mint and menthol, and it also is all sales, not just sales in stores. But yeah, I think it's you know it's better than an alternative where there are Jules not allowed to sell any of its products. You wrote in uh, Axios Vitals, your newsletter this morning, that there's some follow-on things here that the White House didn't talk about yesterday. For example, there are other flavored smokeless products, like smokeless tobacco you can get in fruit flavors. And there's also still menthol cigarettes, even though there was talk, what, five years ago, six years ago about banning that, but the FDA hasn't done it yet. Right. And I think that's because, you know, this is primarily right now about teen vaping, these actions. You know, we have other problems with vaping. There's other problems with menthol cigarettes. But this action seems specifically to target teens who are vaping and teens tend to use flavored e-cigarette products. I'm trying to understand, though, Caitlin, help me with this here. If the concern is really that vaping is is arguably a gateway product into combustible cigarettes, right? And yeah. there's an argument that, you know, that the local retail stores haven't been able to adequately do age verification on vaping products. Why are those same retail stores allowed to sell the combustible products, which arguably are worse than the thing you're concerned that the teens are ultimately going to use? It, it seems a little bit, if not backwards, certainly incomplete. This is where we're at right now. So I think that the thought is that teens are vaping for the sake of vaping. And vaping is, you know, we don't know the long-term effect of it, but inhaling chemicals, I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say that's probably not great for you compared to using no tobacco products. So, you know, I think that the big question, yeah, right now is, do we have kids that are already hooked on e-cigarettes and will they switch to either tobacco-flavored vapes or the actual combustible cigarette products? And yes, those are still available. So, you know, if this rule is finalized, then we need to see what the data shows us, what teen behavior is following that. You know, does vaping and e-cigarettes become truly a product just for people who are trying to switch to a less toxic product who are already smokers? Or do we have a whole new set of people who now are looking for something to smoke? Caitlin, President Trump yesterday in his comments made a comment about people are dying from vaping products. And that's true. There, there have been uh, several deaths related to kind of pulmonary, you know, lung disease, a lot, hundreds more people sick. Am I correct in saying, though, that Trump might have been conflating two things here because from what we at least know so far, those lung illnesses aren't being tied to e-cigarette products that are on the market so much as they are kind of black market, maybe even THC oil pods. Yeah, I think there is a two different issues happening right now. You have teen vaping, the rise in that and those numbers, and that is one huge problem. And then you also have this recent, these lung illnesses. And yeah, I think there's been six deaths to date, unless there have been more that I don't, haven't aren't on my radar yet. But yeah, those, you know, investigators still aren't quite sure what's causing those, but those do seem to be related either to THC vaping or vaping kind of counterfeit products from the black market. So that isn't necessarily, like, they're not the same issue. And while I think at the AMA and I think it's the CDC, they've recommended to stop smoking e-cigarettes entirely until people figure out what is causing these illnesses, they have not been tied directly to your mainstream products like Juul. Do we think Trump knows, understands the distinction? Dan, you can speculate on that as well as I can. <laughs> okay, I'll speculate no. no probably uh, not, yeah. <laughs> well, no, I mean, just based on the way he said it yesterday. Final thing, the trade organization that represents, so not Jewel specifically, but the trade organization that represents all these vaping companies basically made the argument yesterday that if this ban goes into effect, all the millions of American adult smokers who have indeed used vaping products for smoking cessation are basically going to be forced to either go cold turkey or pick up another pack of cigarettes again. From your perspective, how valid is that argument in light of the fact that tobacco flavored products would be the exception here? Those would still be on the market. Yeah, so that seems to decrease its validity. I mean, if you truly are trying to switch from t cigarettes to e-cigarettes, just, you know, the tobacco flavor is still widely available to you. But of course, it is a trade-off, right? Like, I mean, maybe it's easier to switch to a flavored e-cigarette 
I don't know, but, but, you know, it seems like, yes, there's still products available for those people. Now, the other point that the Vaping um, Association made that was more legitimate is that people will turn to the black market. You know, Gottlieb made a similar point saying that Congress may have to appropriate funds for the FDA to do more policing of illegal vaping products now that flavors, if this is finalized, flavors will not be allowed legally. Kaylin Owens, writer of the morning Axios Vitals newsletter, which you can get at signup.axios.com. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. My final two right after this. With offices and tech hubs throughout the country, including San Francisco, Boston, and Atlanta, and new offices in Seattle, Denver, and Chicago, BridgeBank continues to meet the innovation ecosystem wherever it thrives. And through its teams focused on technology and life sciences companies and the equity investors who fuel them, BridgeBank delivers a responsive, high-touch client experience. BridgeBank is a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is Elizabeth Warren, who's likely in the midst of prep for tonight's presidential debate. And she's probably looking forward to hitting the stage for at least two reasons. First, of the 10 candidates in Houston tonight, she is the only one who's gained lasting momentum from the first two debates. Others like Kamala Harris have gotten immediate bumps, but they've proven to be mostly sugar rushes. Second, and maybe more importantly, Warren this week has been cited by two different cable business show hosts, CNBC's Jim Cramer and Fox Business Channel's Stuart Varney, as the candidate that Wall Street and big business is most afraid of. And that's the sort of blue meat anti-endorsement that she'll have her televised chance to highlight. Finally, California's legislature this week passed a bill called AB5, which would provide new rights to so-called gig economy workers, including a minimum wage and workman's comp, and it's expected to be signed into law by Governor Gavin Newsom. Now, this has been fought long and loud by gig economy companies like Lyft and Postmates and DoorDash, but the big player is, as it's always been, Uber. And Uber responded by saying, nope. In short, Uber argues that because the bill doesn't specifically mention ride hail drivers, it needn't comply. Moreover, Uber goes so far as to claim that the drivers aren't core to the company's business because it's really a multi-part marketplace in which drivers are essentially customers, just like riders and restaurants. Yeah, all right. Next up, certain lawsuits and a gig economy company campaign to put the issue before voters in a 2020 ballot measure. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Lily Wimberly, have a great National Chocolate Milkshake Day. And we'll be back on Monday with another Pro Rata Podcast.